Open your Bibles this morning, please, to the book of Philippians, chapter number 4. Before I read my text this morning, let me say just a few words to introduce the message. Whenever you think about all of the important issues, all of the major problems, it might surprise you that the Bible has so much to say about the subject of worry, fear, anxiety, emotional needs, and things of that nature. And that tells me that God is very much concerned about the way that we feel and how we function. I'm convinced that, you know, in the times that we live in today that we preachers would do well if we spent more time on these issues. That really hit home with me about uh, 44 years ago, I believe it was. I'd preached a message that morning from Isaiah chapter number 40 where the Lord said, Comfort ye, comfort ye my people. After the service was over, I was standing there greeting the people as they were leaving the service, and an elderly man, a deacon in the church, came up to me, and he was crying like a baby, and I thought, well, I didn't know the sermon was that bad, but uh, anyway, he he shook my hand, and uh, he said, thank you, and then he began to explain he, he told me that in the past they had never heard sermons like that. And he said all of the other pastors spent all of their time talking about uh, what we ought to believe and what we ought to do, and mostly about things that we ought to be doing. And he talked about how that nearly every service they were constantly rebuked and uh, without ever any comfort whatsoever I didn't tell him at the time that uh, that I had been guilty of that myself and I, I was ashamed of it I didn't say a word about that I just I guess let him think that's the way I had been preaching ever since I started preaching but let me say this in defense of those pastors I don't know if it was exactly like that or, or not. It might be that it just seemed that way to that man. What I know is, is that it's easy for pastors to get out of balance. And, and uh, so many different issues, so many different doctrines, so many different problems that it's real easy for us to get out of balance and... Uh, and focus in on one thing to the neglect of of something else. But the fact remains, there's no excuse for us neglecting the responsibility to provide help and comfort to people. God cares about His people more than we know, and He expects us to care for them. You know, we thrill whenever we read the great stories of the Bible. For example, we think about... Uh, we think about Samson and what a great feat that was. And we think about David and, and, you know, the giant killer. I mean, against all odds, when it looked like that there's no possible way that he could succeed, he did. And, and so we look at those stories and we marvel. And, and it's for good reason that we do so. But 
What we fail to realize is that that worry is a giant for some people. I'm talking about a giant that is just as real to them as Goliath was to David. A giant that is powerful, a giant that is fearful, and they feel threatened every awakening moment of their life. And then at night, they're often troubled by nightmares. Wouldn't it be wonderful if you could slay that giant today? Wouldn't it be wonderful to be able to live a life that is free from worry and fear and anxiety? Well, I believe you can. I don't believe it because I have been 100% successful. I believe it because the Bible teaches that we indeed can. And it's my prayer that you'll leave this service today with hope in your heart, that you'll leave here today rejoicing because you've found relief in the Lord. And listen to me carefully now. Even if you don't leave here delivered, as it were, from the monster of worry, I, I want you to be confident that it's possible. Whenever, whenever we think about, you, you know... Uh, warfare and battles and what have you, you, you know, all, the, the war isn't won usually in one single battle. And we think about life and how it's made up of a lifetime of battles. And most folks are losing these battles against the giant of worry. So with all of that in mind, I want you to notice what Paul says in verse number six. I want to speak to you about winning over worry. Paul said, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Now, what if I told you this morning that I have chosen to ignore prayer in my life? Think about that. And you've often heard me say, that everything we do depends on prayer. Whether, whether you're singing a special, teaching a Sunday school class, preaching a sermon, whatever we do as a church, if we don't bathe it in prayer, we can't expect it to be successful. So everything depends on prayer. But what if I just said, you know, I have chosen that I'm not going to pray anymore. I've been praying and haven't got any prayers answered lately and I don't see that it does any good. I, I'm, I'm just not going to pray anymore. Or what if I just decided that uh, I'm going to quit reading the Bible? I want to catch up on my reading, you know, field and stream or better homes and gardens. You know, I've, I've just, I haven't read a reader's digest, you know, in the last year. I, I've been spending too much time reading the Bible, so I, I'm going to spend the next few months not, not even, I'm not even going to open my Bible. Or what if it was some other command found in the Bible? What about the one about, you know, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together? And I just decided, you know, I, that doesn't fit in with my schedule, so, I'm going to choose to just not obey that command. Some folks, have <laughs> they've decided that. That's why you can't get them in church. 
Now, you wouldn't think very highly of me, especially as a pastor, if I said, well, I'm just going to ignore all of those commands. Why would we then ignore the first part of this verse? He says, be careful for nothing. I don't know about you, but I, nothing means everything, right? In this case, be careful for nothing. Don't worry about anything. This word here, careful, simply means anxious. And the point is that we're not to worry, we're not to fret about anything. Now that's the command. I didn't write it, I'm just telling you what the Word of God says. And by the way, that's not the only place we find that command. Somebody, you know, might say, well, that's just Paul's opinion. No, that's God's Word. Be careful, notice, for nothing. So why do we worry then? Well, some folks would say, well, I just can't help it. But that doesn't get you off the hook. Not with God. Well, I just can't help it. No, God commanded us. And the fact that God forbids it tells us that we ought to forsake it. Not doing so dishonors God. It defiles us. And therefore, Hebrews 12, 4 tells us we ought to strive against it. We're not putting up much of a fight sometimes. We just give in, you know, the attitude about, well, oh, well, everybody does it, and so what do you expect? We're only human. Everybody worries, so why worry about it? And ask yourself, are you really striving against it? That, that's what he says, strive against it, that you, that you think not. Strive is a word that we would use in warfare, in combat. We're to be fighting against it, resisting it instead of caving into it. And so somebody's probably wondering about now, well, how do we do that then? How, how is it possible for us to defeat the giant of worry? Well, I'm glad you asked because Paul has already dealt with that issue in this same chapter and there are several things that will help us win over worry. First of all, would be confessing it as sin. I don't know, it would be interesting for somebody to compile a list of the most unconfessed sins. The most unconfessed sins. One Catholic priest said several years ago that the one sin that he had never heard anyone ever confess to him was the sin of covetousness. He'd never heard anybody ever confess that. So, you know, that might be on the list. You can probably think of other things that people very seldom confess. But I suspect that somewhere near the top of the list, you would find that word worry. 
I can't remember the last time anyone's come forward with tears in their eyes and a broken heart and took Brother Kenneth by the hand and said, I just want you to pray for me, dear brother. This giant of worry has just absolutely dominating my life. I can't think straight. I can't enjoy life. It's just with me 24 hours a day and I want to be delivered from worry. Let me tell you, we don't have the right to mark it off the list. Just because it's common, because it's acceptable, because it's hard to conquer, that doesn't matter. If God tells us not to do it, we ought not to do it. I mean, and we can't deal with it until we get to that point that we confess it as a sin. And maybe you're wondering, well, why is it such a great sin for me to worry? The, the, main, the main problem is the fact that it dishonors God. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. That speaks of us trusting God, depending upon God. And when we don't, we dishonor God. We treat God as though He's not able to meet our needs, solve our problems, and give us victory. Confess it as sin. Secondly, notice verse number 6 again. By calling upon the Lord, he says here, Notice, be careful for nothing, but in what everything by prayer and supplication. Supplication is strong praying. Everything by prayer and supplication. We can't expect to conquer anything if we don't pray. It's essential that we, look, we're not big enough to fight this giant. We're not big enough to resist sin. We're not big enough to conquer, you know, our difficulties in life. We need God's help, and the way to get God's help is to ask God for it. James said, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And if we'll pray more, we'll panic less. So many times, you know, we tell somebody, well, I'm, I'm praying for you. Or might, maybe we ask someone, would you pray for me? And we do it so glibly that it, it's almost meaningless. But folks, that's a big deal whenever we take our needs before the throne of grace and ask God for the help that we need. If you have a problem in regards to this matter of worry, you need to spend more time in prayer after you've confessed it as being contrary to the will of God. But there's something else I want you to notice in verse number 6. Not only calling upon the Lord, by, but considering God's goodness. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer with supplication. Notice now, with thanksgiving... Thanksgiving. Why would we do that? Well, because God is good. A.W. Pink many years ago wrote something that I jotted down that impressed my heart. He said, the best antidote for anxiety is frequent meditation upon God's goodness, power, and sufficiency. When the saint can confidently realize the Lord is my shepherd, he must draw the conclusion I shall not want. Wow. If the Lord is your shepherd, the bottom line is I shall not want. That God in some way, somehow, at some time, that God is going to meet that need in your life. 
And if we want to win over worry, we need to be more conscious of the goodness of God. And whenever we stop and think about the fact that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God, which means that none of us deserve anything, and yet God has been so good to give us everything we have, that's what grace is all about, giving us what we need instead of what we deserve. Why would we, why would we worry and fret and dishonor God knowing that God has been so good to us? But there's another reason that we need to think about, and that has to do with the consequences of worry. The consequences, the, and being conscious of its harm in our life. You know, you often hear people say, well, I'm just worried sick. Well, they're probably right. And if they're not sick, if they keep worrying, they will get sick. Because worry can make you sick. It can steal your joy. It can steal your peace. And it doesn't change anything. Somebody says it's like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it won't get you anywhere. That's the way worry is. It doesn't change a thing except your joy and your peace and your health. It's been scientifically proven over and over again how that our emotional state affects our physical well-being. And by the way, that doesn't mean that every physical problem has its roots in an emotional problem necessarily. I'm certainly not an expert at that, but I do know enough to know that it's a proven fact that what we think affects our body in some way also. And here we are worrying ourselves sick when we can't control the future and we can't change the past. And all it does is create more problems in our life. And all of the time, we're dishonoring God and defiling ourselves. But there's something else we need to do, and that is to claim God's promises. Notice over in Philippians 4.13, and you've often heard me say, this was my lifeline as a new Christian. I can't even begin to tell you how many times that I've quoted this verse in my mind. And, and I'm talking about times of desperation, times when I was, I just was almost at the brink and the point of going back to the bottle and taking another drink. I, and again, I would say, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. I, I can, with Him, with His help, I can do this. And it doesn't make any difference to the nature of your problem. With God's help, you can do it. I, I mean, look, it's a wonderful promise whenever we, here we worry about all of these things and yet at the same time, and sometimes we just, we just conclude, well, I'm worried about this and I'm worried about that and I can't do anything about it and so forth. But the Bible says we can do all things. Notice verse 19, it says, but my God shall supply all of your need. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. What a glorious thought that is that God can supply all of our need according to His riches in glory. And you can never deplete that supply. According to, not out of, but according to His riches in glory. He supplies our every need. 
Aren't you glad that God is not only able to supply your needs, but God is willing whenever we do as we should. And look, we need to claim these promises. When he said over in Matthew 6 and verse 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all of these things shall be added unto you. That's a real promise. A promise from the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. A promise from the God who cannot lie. So regardless of how difficult it seems, the fact remains that we can win the war against worry. With the Lord's help, you can do it. Don't let the devil convince you that you've got to just live like that every day of your life because you don't. But there's something else here in this chapter that helps us win the war on worry, and that's found beginning in verse number 14. Remember, Paul is writing to a church, and uh, as he writes to this church, and uh, it's a church that he had a very dear relationship with. In verse 14, he says, Notwithstanding, ye have done well, that ye did communicate with my affliction. And he goes right on down through verse number 18, talking about, that word communicate doesn't mean that they had written him letters. It has to do with sharing. In other words, they were supporters of his ministry. Most of you know that Paul was a tent maker. A tent maker that God called to be an apostle. But he supplemented his income by making tents. And other churches then began to support him. And here is a church that was one of his main supporters. And here he is commending them for caring enough that they, that they were sharing with him. Supporting his ministry. And that's why he said in verse 19, but my God shall supply all of your need. You see, everybody can't claim that promise. That promise was given to a church, to a people who were giving generously to the Lord's work. And all of this has to do with contributing to the welfare of others. The best thing that you can do for yourself is to be good to somebody else. We're always best to ourselves when we're good to others. You'd be amazed how much less you'll worry if you have your mind on helping somebody else. Because most of our worry has to do with us. You know, we reduce the universe down to us. And the fact is, life isn't about us at all. It's not about us. It's about God and it's about others. And as we busy ourselves, as we busy ourselves in helping others, we'll find ourselves worrying a whole lot less about ourselves. Several years ago, I read about a fellow that went to the pastor and and so the anyway the, the he he had a problem with worry, anxiety, and what have you, and wanted some words of wisdom from the pastor, and so. The pastor sent him over to a poor widow's house and uh, told him, I want you to go over there and I want you to attend to her needs and so forth and buy whatever groceries she has need of. And, And long story short is after a while, this fellow comes back as, you know, cheerful as a robin on a spring day and everything is all right and and expressing his gratitude for for the pastor 
getting him busy helping somebody else. And, and that's exactly what all of us need to do in regards to ministering to others. Because when we minister to them, our mind is on them rather than on our problems. But then there's something else. Look at verse number 9. Another thing that we must do if we're going to win the war over worry is to conform to the ways of the Lord. Paul said, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. And the God of peace shall be with you. Think about that. Paul is setting himself up as an example. Now remember, this isn't because of his ego. It's not because Paul thought he was really a somebody Paul wasn't saying, boy, look at me, I am great, follow me. Remember, the Holy Spirit is telling Paul what to write. It's not Paul's words, it's the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's telling Paul, I want you to use you as an example to these people and tell them what they've heard and learned and seen in you. That's what I want them to do. So they are to conform to the ways of the Lord. You see, we can't live as we please and be pleased. It doesn't work that way. You just, you know, determine in your heart that you're going you're to do whatever you want to do. I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to be miserable in life. The only way to find satisfaction is to, is to find it in the will of God. Conforming our ways to His ways. And whenever we do, what did Paul say? And the God of peace shall be with you. Now, let me give you one more, one more thing necessary, absolutely necessary in winning the war on worry, and that's concentrating on Christ. Go back to our text and look down at verse number, verse number eight. Paul says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true. Now, I want you to notice the words that he uses here. Whatsoever things are true. Whatsoever things are honest and just, pure, lovely, of good report. If there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Think on these things. I've underlined the word true, honest, just, pure, lovely, good report. You know why? Because those are descriptive phrases of Christ Himself. Every one of those words describes the character of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 12. There are two verses here that I quote over and over and over again. And, and at the same time, I get the feeling that a lot of folks just have never discovered the importance of these verses. Verse 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down on the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 3, For consider Him that endured such contradiction of sinners against Himself. Now get this, Lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. 
That would relate to the matter of fear, anxiety, and worry. And he says, lest you grow weary and faint in your minds. He says, you need to be looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of the faith. You need to consider Him. And folks, listen, it's only by us keeping our focus on Christ that we're able to to forget the past. A lot of folks are so worried because they're hung up on the past. They've never learned how to get past the past. Well, stop thinking about it because it's all under the blood and God's not looking and you ought not to spend the days of your life worried about the awful, terrible, horrible things you or anybody else have done in the past. If we'll get our mind on Him, it'll help us to forget the past. It'll help us to face our problems at the present. And it'll help us to forge ahead in life with peace in our heart, living by faith in the One who never, ever fails us. Concentrating on Him, meditating, focusing upon the Lord Jesus Christ. It changes us. So many times, you know, we talk about, well, I've become a Christian now and I've made all of these changes in my life. Well, let me tell you right now, they're not going to last. You know why? Because you're talking about changes that you made. The change agent is the Holy Spirit. Second Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 18 tells us there. That, you know, as we look on Jesus as though we're looking in, in, in a glass, and as we look upon the Lord Jesus Christ, it says, we are changed from glory unto glory, even as by the Spirit. You see, He's the one that changes us into the image of Christ. It's what He does, but notice, He does it only as we focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. You get your focus on the things of the world and you're going to lose the benefit that you could have gained that what the Holy Spirit would have done in your life had you had your eyes upon the Lord Jesus Christ. It's whenever we get our eyes off of Jesus that we begin to sink in the sea of life's trials, just like Peter did. Here was old Peter out there walking on the water and all of a sudden he took his eyes off of Jesus. He began to look at the storm and he begins to sink. Now I know that we don't do that intentionally, do we? We don't just all of a sudden one day decide, look, I've been thinking about Jesus too much lately. I'm, I'm, I'm going to think more about the Astros and more about the Texans. I'm going to think more about this and that and the other. I, you know, I've got other things to think about other than Jesus. We, you see, we don't plan it that way. We don't intend for it to happen. It's just that we get so preoccupied that our attention gets diverted to other things and all of a sudden, all, all of a sudden we, we begin to realize that our life, our emotions, they're beginning to come unraveled. And sometimes we scratch our head and we wonder, why in the world am I feeling this way? What What is going on in my life? And if we would just stop and think, it's because somewhere along the way, we got our eyes off of Jesus. And when we do, we begin to sink. Oh, the old song had it right. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory 
and grace. Oh, I hope this morning that I hope this morning that you'll leave here believing with all of your heart that I have allowed worry to control me long enough. And I see now that it's possible for me to defeat worry in my life. Now remember, as I said at the very beginning, we're in a warfare, and a warfare is made up of many battles. There's going to be a battle today, and a battle tomorrow, and a battle the next day. You're not going to look, you're not going to win the war by just winning one battle today. This is an everyday matter. You can't just turn your eyes on Jesus today and forget about Him tomorrow and expect everything to be alright. But I can promise you on the authority of God's Word, you do those eight things that I mentioned this morning, and I'll guarantee you, you can win over worry. And I know you can because the Bible tells us be careful for nothing. Don't worry about anything. Don't fret. Don't be filled with fear and anxiety. And what a difference that will make in your life. I, I love the way Paul put it when he was talking to the Corinthians. And, and he uses the phrase, the God of all comfort. Isn't that wonderful? You see, comfort is so important to God that that He uses that phrase to describe Himself. That He is the God of all comfort. And regardless of what you're going through today, you can find comfort in the Lord if you'll trust Him. If you'll trust Him. Now, listen carefully, and I'm through. All of the things I've been saying depends upon one factor, and that is whether or not you've ever received Christ as your Lord and Savior. Because you can try till you're blue in the face and fall over with exhaustion to do all of the things that I mentioned, it's not going to work. Till first of all, you've received Him as your Lord and Savior. You see, there has to be a union. There has to be a relationship with God. God has to be your Father before, before He can... Work in your life and deliver you from those things that cause you to worry. But as we sang earlier, there really is victory in Jesus. Don't leave here defeated today. Let's stand together. Father, I pray that you'll use your promises to remind us of the greatness of your power. I pray that you'll remind us of your commands that we might be Mindful of our responsibility before you. And Lord, there are times that we just feel so overwhelmed, times that we seem so fearful, and times that we can't even understand why we feel like we do. And I'm just so thankful that you're a God of grace. And Lord, I pray today that you'll help each and every one of us get our focus upon our dear Savior. That regardless of what's going on in the world around us and regarding, uh, uh, regardless of the storm that's brewing in us, maybe emotionally, that we'll just keep our focus on Jesus and trust Him to bring us through the storms of life and to give us peace that passeth all understanding. Help someone today t- to slay the giant of worry in their life. And we promise we'll give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen.